Hi, this is Heidi McDonald for Publishers Weekly's Comics World, and uh, I am at Heroes Con in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I am here with Jim Starlin, who is the legendary Jim Starlin. <laughs> um, yes, well, he has a long, distinguished career in comics that hasn't let up for years, many years. Uh, but Jim, it's kind of a special year for you um, because some of your characters will be on the big screen in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. The characters that you you created, first drew, developed, made into uh, various uh, involvements in the yes, yes, yes. And you're but you're but you're back doing uh, some some uh, graphic novel about Thanos, your your most famed character. So so what's what's going on with uh, the big death headed guy there? <laughs> well, come uh, August first, about the same time as the Guardians come out, uh, Marvel's releasing this. Uh, Infinity uh, Revelation. I have I have a, a number of Infinity books, and so it takes me a moment to think of the name. But uh, and uh, so it's Thanos Infinity Revelation that'll be out, and, and this is the first of uh, three graphic novels I'm going to be doing for Marvel on Thanos and, mm-hmm. and Adam Warlock. Right. Another character I've got a long association with. Right. Right. Now, how does it feel coming back to it? Uh, I mean, you have worked on and off over the years on these characters and different iterations of Marvel, but, you know, how is it coming back to them this time? And, you know, uh, a lot has changed. Yes, this is probably about the longest layoff uh, over where I didn't do anything with it, but uh, they're, like, coming back and seeing old friends, you know, going out for a drink. <laughs> we uh, fell right back into it. Uh, Marvel was good enough to say... Uh, you can ignore whatever we've done before and do whatever you want. <laughs> and so that's worked out pretty nicely because uh, I had no idea what they've been doing with it. And uh, I, I've got a little uh, notion at this point, but um, basically I do my Thanos, which has actually progressed over the years. And uh, the movies, like, they have to because they haven't done the Infinity Gauntlet, which they're on their way to doing, uh, are still in the 1970s Thanos, and uh, in some ways Marvel in general does the 1970s Thanos, uh, as if he's never gotten the Infinity Gauntlet and gone through all the changes. But, uh, you know, it was, just, it was fun. It was the usual chance to do all the head-tripping stuff that I enjoy doing with characters like this. Right. So, I mean, still, you still enjoy doing doing that? Still the approach you like to take? Yeah, I hate to admit it, but I think there's nothing I do better than Marvel Comics, and, you know, which has always been kind of tricky because Marvel and I have had a fiery relationship over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's good, and uh, I foresee working on... Uh, the big purple guy for uh, a while here now. Well, it's, it's good to hear that. Um, you know, just for uh, any listeners who might not know, uh, you know, when I said Jim was legendary, though, I mean, he has such a long history. For instance, you drew the very first graphic novel for Marvel. Well, some would argue with that, but it was the first that was Marvel, called. I think it, was. it was Marvel's first Real graphic Eisner novel. beat me out in the States and yes. doing some stuff. And even I beat myself out on doing graphic novels for somebody else, but uh, I think it was Marvel's first. Right. So, yeah. and you know, and it was the death of Captain Marvel, as a matter of fact. And uh, the, I think, what was it? Was it <laughs> 64 pages or 72? I mean, it wasn't that immense by today's standards. It may have only been 48, for all <laughs> I can remember. <laughs> right. So how did you, I mean, this is at a time, I mean, had you been 
inspired by longer stories. I mean, you know, the French had kind of their graphic novel tradition at that point. Um, but in America, it was very much a nascent art form. Uh, Eisner had done a couple things. Uh, Byron Price had, was doing a few things, I believe. But, uh, I mean, Eclipse, you know what? Yeah, Eclipse. Eclipse had just... And that's probably why Marvel was doing it, to be honest. They were kind of maybe... They found out there was actually some money to be made on these things. Uh, they are a corporation, and uh, they're sole purpose in life is to make money yes. not to entertain us right. but to make money that's right that's right so but I mean what did you use I mean for inspiration telling a longer story I mean were you well it, they came to me and they said we want to kill off Captain Marvel because we don't know <laughs> what to do with him and they wanted to turn him into a female so uh, they said just get rid of him for us and so I sat down and I, I think I came up with about four different plots mm-hmm. and they were all the going out at the end of the story in heroic blast of action which every story about some hero dying always ends up doing and I kept throwing these things out because I went read it seen it before read it and seen it before but about six months before that my father had died of cancer and uh, you know I don't know where the connection actually came from but everything sort of fell in place and uh, so Captain Marvel died of cancer uh, turned in the plot Every editor up at Marvel hated it except for Jim Shooter, <laughs> and uh, we uh, ended up doing it, and uh, I had made a bargain with them that if I do the Captain Marvel, they would do my Dreadstar graphic novel, which was the third one they did, and it worked out pretty well for both of us. Yeah, yeah, it was the start of a, a whole new thing, but I mean, actually, Dreadstar was in Epic. That was, again, their creator-owned line, so that was, again, the first thing that that Marvel had done that was explicitly creator-owned, I believe, or, you know, right around that time. Yeah, I was involved with uh, an ill-fated guild that we tried to form at one point, and after that, especially with Marvel and Jim Shooter, uh, they had me being as the artist-writer representative, and I sat down and uh, I actually had to learn about latches and innovations (laughs) and all this other legalese just so um, we could work things out. hammered out the contracts with them and uh, eventually constructed the royalty system that's still sort of around now. Right, right. So this was, uh, you know, again, pioneering stuff. Um, And you have, it was a good contract in that you did get, you know, I mean, Dreadstar is yours, correct? Mm. I mean, you have free and clear that and it's not... Because it was reprinted. The movie producer I'm working with right now sure hopes I am. Yeah, right, right. Well, yeah, that's right. Now it's being developed as well, right? Yeah, we're in the midst of that. But have you been through that whole dance before, though, with movies and all the... Many times. (laughs) I've uh, seen many things uh, light up my face and then watch it dim as they died. Mm. This one has gone on a little bit further and... uh, you know, uh, everyone tells me this one's looking pretty good to go this time. Even my own lawyer, who's a real heavy skeptic on these things. So, but I'll believe it when I see yeah, it. Yeah. Um, do you want to sign somebody? I mean, you know, or oh, do you want to like? Yeah, I didn't mean to. Yeah. Um, Kate, cut that out. Um, well, so you know, Jim, I, I, you know, you're also. I mean, you write novels too. You write novels as well, correct? Uh, I mean, you, you. I have, and I uh, still am, and but they just haven't come out for a while. Right, right, right. But uh, I mean, I think what I really uh, admire about your career is that you have. Uh, I mean, I've been talking to other people here at the show, and you know, younger cartoonists. And nowadays, it's like, oh, you need to. 
you know, do animation too, or maybe you take on this licensed book and then you serialize your book on the, the web and then you do a Kickstarter. I mean, it's very varied and, uh, you, you know, it's not just one thing. And you've kind of always had that where, you know, if one thing didn't work out there, you just went and did it somewhere else, you and know? I usually do one thing at a time too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been in and out of the comic book business and writing and all that. I worked in animation for a while, uh, had my own computer company for a spell there. Uh, but it always ended up going off into strange places. Like in the computer company, we started doing, we started draw, uh, coloring comics, and we ended up doing uh, changing architectural drawings to builders' drawings for the uh, some casino down in the Bahamas, um, famous one. I can't think of the name of it. Blanking out. But you know, always I always end up seeming to come back to comics. Yeah. Is it what you like doing the most? I hate to admit it, but I don't think I do anything better than comics. Maybe not better than Marvel comics, yeah. you know. So yeah. right now we're back at a, a nice, comfortable place. And uh, like I said, we've got three graphic novels yeah. we're working on. And uh, right now I'm happy, and we'll just wait and see what happens online. Right. Well, there you go. Um, well, sounds good. You know what? And, I mean, congratulations. I, I think as Guardians of the Galaxy comes out, a lot of people will be, you know, talking about your name, I hope. So if I have anything to we'll say about it... We'll see if I got it. any credits at the well, end. Well, we'll see. They, they've been, you know, to be fair, they've been pretty decent about it. Yeah, that. they're very on it over the years. I mean, yeah. I think that they're, they're trying to get back into being fair about it. I heard uh, somebody talking about it, like one of the last ones, there was a long list of creator credits, which yeah. is kind of nice. Yes, yeah. So, uh, so you know, we are keeping an eye on them and, uh, you know... Make uh, them behave, yes. Yes, 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 make them behave. But, you know, so far, so good. And, uh, well, Jim, thanks for taking the time to chat with us. My pleasure. Hi, this is Heidi McDonald of Publishers Weekly's Comics World's More to Come, and I am live at Heroes Con in Charlotte, North Carolina, with Matt Kent, the very busy Matt Kent. Uh, I've known Matt for a long time, and the pile of books in front of him just grows and grows and grows. And uh, so, Matt, how do you do it? Do you sleep? Do you have clones? How do you do all this work? Uh, no, it's I work seven days a week, 13-hour days. <laughs> no, it's... You know, but I'm trying to scale back a little bit. I actually did that over the summer. My schedule was like 14-hour days, and I didn't take a break. You could do that for a while, but... No, you know, I just treat it like a job. I wake up, I work, and then I stop working at dinner time. But you, now, you started out as a cartoonist doing a bunch of awesome books for Top Shelf, uh, like Super Spy and Three Story and uh, other great books. And then you were doing some work for uh, Vertigo also. And then you became a writer only for the New 52. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, how was it transitioning to being a writer only? I mean, you know, was that easy to balance with your your own cartooning or yeah you know it was easy mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was one of those things where I've always written everything I've drawn so writing was never difficult you know the drawing was always the hard part you know that's the part that takes you know you write a story in like a few days and then it takes you like three weeks four weeks right. to, to draw it um, so the writing has always been the most fun you know and to me the art was always the the drudgery part it's like now I have to I have to draw it or no one's going to read it. <laughs> so doing the writing only was always kind of fun and it was one of those things where I'm like, I don't even really know how to get those jobs and then end up, they called me and asked me to do something and, and, uh, and it was just, just sort of fell into it. Do you want to, you know what, if you want to get those signed, here, yeah, just, yeah, let's go ahead. Um, let's take a little pause. Um, 
So, yeah, so, uh, you know, when you were writing, though, suddenly you became a busy guy. I mean, you were writing license books, you're doing, um, you know, Star Wars, something just came up and got that signed. Um, uh, you know, how did it feel? Because you were a pretty strong kind of indie ca- cartoon. You know, you had a very indie background. Um, and, you know, now you're writing Star Wars, so. Yeah. No, what's funny is, like, I think most people in comics, you know, when they're 10 years old, somehow they were reading comics or they were into Spider-Man or, you know, and if you grew up in the 70s, you didn't not love Star Wars, you know. So all of this stuff is sort of ingrained in you. You know, as I got older, you know, I think in high school I was still drawing superhero stuff. By the time I got to college, I'm like, I was like, I'm not interested in that anymore. I wanted to write other kinds of stories. And then um, by the time I was actually able to do it, I was like, I don't think, I don't want to put another superhero comic book into the world. There's plenty of them, you know. I want to just pick another genre or put some genres together and do something different, you know, because they're there's a big hole in comics for that stuff and so I and I've always been that way where I'm like I don't want to I don't want to put more superhero into the world but I always still love I loved it you know because I loved it when I was a kid and, uh, and so I never really sought out that kind of work but when they asked me to do it I'm like well yeah Spider- I'll write Spider-Man I've always liked Spider-Man so it's and he already exists I'm not having to come up with something new or try to like sell some new property or make a new superhero that's really Spider-Man, but it's called something else, you know. It's like a so that stuff's always been appealed to me. It's almost like a bucket list thing where it's like, okay, I can check off Spider-Man, Star Wars, and check that off. You know, it's like there's things on my list I didn't know were on my list until I was asked to do them. You know, it's like I don't, Star Wars. I don't think I ever would have thought about writing it. You know, when they asked me to do it, I'm like, oh, well, what would I do? You know, and then you sort of come up with an idea, and then, I don't know. but it's all fun. All this stuff. I mean, that's like the cherry on top of what I right. I write and draw. Yeah. Well, it's impressive because I think, um, you know, like I said, you, I mean, you were at, at uh, Top Shelf when you started out. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I know a lot of, you know, your books got a lot of notice and everything, but they certainly, you know, it's not like you were this huge name at all. And, uh, you know, people caught on to the fact. Now, your work does have a lot of intrigue and espionage and, uh, I guess, maybe you could call them thrillers? Is that, do you consider yourself maybe a thriller writer or a... I don't know. I don't know that they're thrilling. <laughs> but I, I, if they are, that's cool. I just, I don't know. I, I like so many different things. And I think, like, when I was in college, I was doing, like, autobiographical comics. You know, I was reading a lot of, I was reading Hate, and I was reading Eight Ball, which semi-autobiographical sometimes and then those are the kind of things I was digging and uh and so I was, I was doing that kind of stuff but unfortunately my life was not very interesting you know so I'm like well, this is these suck and I just have a crappy job and my comments about my crappy job and and so I realized that I wasn't having fun making those comments and so then uh, I just I started thinking about things I like to draw and different and pulling from different genres and different things that I I like, you know, that I read you know, besides autobiographical stuff. And then it was the stuff I do now is sort of born out of that, you know, it's kind of what I'm interested in at the time. And uh, so I read a lot of like historical fiction, historical nonfiction, and uh, just like I basically do research, but I do research on things I'm interested in, and then that comes out in the comics. And so, if anything, I, I like to put things in history and then, and then dress it up with spies and, and mind powers and stuff like that. How did, uh, now Mind Management is your, your title for Dark Horse now, which is up to issue 22, so you 
you know, you kept up drawing your own book during, uh, you know, the, being a new 52 writer, which is certainly a very high-profile job, and, and doing this other stuff. Um, and it's, again, it's kind of, it's a complicated story. It's about people who lose their memories and, you know, have to figure out how they that happened. Um, what, I mean, what gave you the inspiration for that story? Um, that was the first thing I've ever done where the title came first. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was reading a friend of mine. He was writing this epic spy novel that was sort of like a like a reaction to my super spy book you know and it was it was a comedy and so it was about this crazy spy and then he goes to school for spies and he takes all these classes and he took a class in mind management and he took a class in espionage and other and then I was reading it for him and giving him feedback and I'm like I was like what I was like what's that mind management class about and uh, he's like I don't what are you talking about I didn't even remember writing it and I was like well can I have that for a title and he's like sure and so I, because when I read it, I was like, oh, well, what if there was this, you know, I started coming up with all these ideas for ways to train agents and different things. And I actually did research on, like, the kooky stuff that the government actually did do and found out there was all this weird stuff that really did happen. And so I was sort of inspired by all of that and then just tried to put it together. And But then at the core of it, come up with a story that was, kind of, to me, it's like a father-daughter story, you know, that has all this other stuff around it. Right, right. Um, the story has a finite end. Is it going to wrap up? Yeah, I pitched, when I pitched it to Dark Horse, I pitched them 54 issues, and, and then Mike Richardson was like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, when I went to actually start writing it, I was like, hmm, that's a lot of, that's like five years of my life, and, and I have a story, but I don't know if that story is 54 issues. I, I was plotting it out, and I'm like, that's really stretching it out, and I didn't really want to do something that... I didn't want to do a comic where you read it every month and it takes you five minutes and then, you know, and so I just sort of tried to condense it and see if I could pack a big story into a smaller space, which 36 issues isn't small, but it's yeah. but it's definitely, I'm just trying to keep it really dense. It also kind of fits into, um, you know, a reasonable number of trade paperbacks also. I mean, yeah, to be a little commercial for a moment. Um, so, uh, you know, but I mean, you're kind of a graphic novel guy, like, like you did your, you, I mean, you hadn't really done periodical comics before either, had you? Yeah, no, that, that was my first monthly book, and I, I think what I, I've always wanted to do it, because I grew up with that format, and I'm like, oh, I'd like to do that, and by the time I actually was able to do it, you know, the industry's changed so much now, where everyone's waiting for trades, I'm, I wait for trades, I don't, I don't read monthly issues anymore, you know, and, uh, so then when I started actually sitting down to write and draw it I was like well why am I doing why am I creating something in a medium I don't believe in you know because monthly books don't make sense you know it's four dollars for 15 minutes of entertainment and uh and so then I try to I rework the whole series to make it work as a monthly you know I'm like well what can we do with the format that's different that will make people want to read it every month that will make me want to read it every month you know make it worth it and so that's why I got even more dense and layers on top of it and text on the side and and all these things, doing different things with the back covers and inside covers and things to just play with the format to make it make sense as a monthly comic. And, uh, and also the other benefit was I found that I would go away for a year and do a graphic novel and I would just fell off the map, you know, and then the book comes out and then for that month you're like, oh, this, here's the new book. And then after that month goes by, you disappear again for a year, you know, and, uh, because there's so much coming out. Right. But if you do a monthly you're coming out every month and right. so people are talking about it every month right. and, and uh, it's just in people's minds more so do you think that that is the model that I mean you want to continue doing or do you want to go back to done in one kind of like you know the 
master yeah. the master plan. Bro. I think I'm addicted to monthlies. You know? like, <laughs> He's become an excitement thing. junkie. Yeah, here. It, it, it's really fun. <laughs> it is a tight wire act in a way too because you can't make a mistake. You know, when I'm doing a book, I can screw up the beginning. When I'm done, I'll just go back and fix it and make it all work. You know, with this, I have the 36 issues planned out ahead of time because if I didn't, I would totally mess it up. And then there's no going back to issue two. And somebody would be like, well, in issue two, you did this, so, and that doesn't make sense, so I have to make sure it all works ahead of time. So in a way, I'm doing a six-volume graphic novel that just happens to come out every right. month. You right, know? Well, So uh, with a twist, you know, it's, it's more complicated than that, but in my mind, yeah. it is one big story. Do you, uh, I mean, do you have plans, obviously, you know, beyond that? I mean, when mind management is done, what do you want to do? Yeah, Dark Horse asked me, like, the first year that it, it was coming out they're like well this is successful what do you want to do next and, and I had a couple other ideas and so um, yeah they signed me up this is the first time in my life I've been I'm booked for like six years in a row wow. so I have another series that will be coming out when this is done that I'm writing and drawing and then there's one in the fall that they're going to announce that I'm just doing writing only on and working with another artist um, which is just more like crazy sci-fi just, that's more like my fun it'll be like my fun sci-fi book <laughs> less serious so. right right well you uh, I, I, I you know you've worked in for a lot of different kinds of publishers I mean it, 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 do you think that I mean it sounds like creatively and business wise that the periodical format has proven to be successful to you I mean do you think that that from a monetary standpoint do you think that it's possible to be doing graphic novels I mean do you think that's viable at this point or not Not you know is it still the, the kind of the serialization is the you know yeah I don't funding it's, it's funny like I feel like I stumbled into the secret to making a living in comics you know and it's, it is to do something that comes out on a regular basis you know and even if you do one book a year that comes out regularly it's it's not the same as having something in people's minds every month you know and so yeah I don't think I'll ever go back to just doing a book and then and then a year later do another book I think I would I just I like the format and I like being engaged you know and there's a reason to come to conventions I have something to talk about and, and, uh, and honestly it's almost like the difference between a movie and a TV show where a TV show, it's in the public consciousness, and people are talking about it at work, or you're talking about it with your friends as it comes out. So it's almost like a live performance where a book comes and goes, and you may read it now or you may read it 10 years from now, but there's something about like that three years that my management is coming out where people are reading it and, and there's people are wondering what's going right. to happen. And well, that's a really good way for your work, to be honest, because it does have a lot of twists and turns. Yeah, no, and I get a kick out of it, you know, and it's, it's like I get more fan mail than ever, you know, and it's and it's fun to just, it's fun to see how wrong people are about it, and then that, and then I'm like, oh, I can't wait till you get to that issue because you'll see how wrong you were. Your mind blown. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, to me, it, that feedback that comes in constantly is is fun too. You know, it feels like it's I'm more aware of people actually reading it and, and getting into it. Um, well, one last question. We've been talking to a lot of people about conventions, and, you know, the schedule is becoming insane. Uh, I mean, do you get invited to a lot of shows? Yeah, you know, I, and I think last year what happened is there was this, like, perfect storm of I started getting a lot of work, and then I had already booked, like, 10 or 12 conventions, you know, and then it all happened at once, and it just... It was overwhelming. Like, I was working all the time. I was on the road all the time. So, it, it's this year I was consciously like, I'm only doing like these five shows and I'm going to space them out and not do back to back shows. Right, uh, right. But it's, 
it's kind of great that every city kind of has a convention, you know, and everywhere you go. There's, if you're a fan of comics, you can go and meet creators and... and do you still go to more like indie kind of shows? Like I think I met you for the first time at, at SPX actually. Yeah, so. it's funny because SPX was my favorite show. I went every year, and then I think once my first hardcover book came out, Super Spy. I don't remember what it was. Super Spy or Three Story. When those came out, and I went to the show, people just walked by me. You know, I was like, I was like that. I was like the guy with the hardcover books. Now, you know, I wasn't cool anymore, and I'm like, and it bummed me out because that's. Those are the shows I love. Like, I love, I shot more at those shows than any other, you know, and that's the stuff I came from. That's the stuff I love. But at the same time now, I guess I'm like, I've turned into the man. Oh, wow. You're still. (laughs) My heart isn't, but but it's. uh, No, you're not indie anymore, Matt. Yeah, I know. That's too bad. Well, you're still cool in our book. All right, thank you. (laughs) I'm just happy I can pay my bills doing comics. So, whatever I have to do to do that. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, at least you're doing that. Well, Matt, thank yeah. you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Super sorry about my coffee breath. Oh, I'm I can't. coffee all morning. Dude, I-